Coming to you from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, by way of Stone Mountain, Georgia, birthed by the great state of South Carolina, is the Bryant Land Country Podcast, your place for any and everything in hunting, fishing, sports, and outdoor related, with heavy doses of randomness, guests, and an all-around good time. Here's your host, proud Gamecock, South Carolina Forever, AB3. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Bryantland Country Podcast. Thanks for taking the time, coming in, downloading, listening to our podcast on uh, whatever format or platform that you're listening. And remember, if you're listening on that uh, Apple Podcast deal, make sure you uh, rate and review, subscribe if you have not already done so. Got a really great show today. I had a chance when I was down in Orlando a couple of weeks ago to sit down with uh, Pamela Smith, LPC, uh, mental health professional. She is working on her own podcast. It's all mental. But in the process, uh, she wanted to know more about my hunting and fishing exploits, my adventures, if you will. So we sat down. We had a really good conversation. Just had a good time shooting the breeze, talking, uh, when you think of a mental health specialist, you know, it's like, did she sit down and try to probe through my mind and get into really deep down like issues? And it wasn't anything like that, mostly because I wouldn't allow it. But <laughs> no, it, it wasn't anything like that. Like I said, her day job is she works with couples, women and couples, I should say, getting through their relationship issues and stuff. And since I'm not in a relationship, I ain't got no relationship issues. So we just sat down and kicked it for a good little bit, about, I think, 45, 50 minutes. We went, just had a good conversation, just talking about hunting, fishing, and um, just some things uh, about animals and all kind of stuff. I mean, we it's a great conversation. It's a little bit different than what I'm used to. But, I mean, I got interviewed. It was a chance for me to be an ambassador for the uh, hunting and fishing community and lifestyle that we all are leading out here or trying to lead out here. So um, I'm very proud of that, that I got to be an ambassador and be a positive ambassador for that. So this is my conversation with Pamela Smith. The roles are reversed. The tables are turned, as Charlie Murphy would say, God rest his soul. But... Anyway, my conversation with Pamela Smith from the soon-to-be-dropping It's All Mental podcast coming up right now here on the Bryantland Country Podcast. Bryantland. Today we have Adam <laughs> Bryant, known, also known as AB3. He yep. is on It's All Mental to talk about Hunting, fishing, outdoors, outdoors, and whatever else you throw at me, and whatever else we throw at him, and ATVs. Yep, ATVs. Yep. All right. And then you would probably try to dissect me psychologically and stuff. I promise I will. Yeah. Yeah. So, how'd you get started into this? Uh, in the podcasting or hunting and stuff? No, just hunting. All the outdoorsy stuff. Yeah. So, the outdoorsy stuff. I mean, I grew up on a dirt road in South Carolina. So, grew up around, you know, like ATVs and, you know, just playing outside and, you know, tobacco fields and stuff like that. And during the summer, nobody in my family really hunted. We did fish 
a little bit. Like I can remember going fishing with my great aunt actually uh, when I was younger. But I got back once I finally started, you know, working for myself and, you know, having a little, what do they call it? The, uh, what's the fancy word they call the income, not passive income, the uh, revenue. No, it's not external. Whatever. Extra money. How about that? Let's go with that. Um, <laughs> when you had some pocket, some pocket change. Yeah. You know, <laughs> when I had, so, uh, started working at some extra money, I decided I was going to buy an ATV. So I bought an ATV, uh, started riding it, spent like a year and a half like just riding trails. Like wherever I could put wheels in the dirt, that's where I was at. And then my son would come with me too, my daughter as well. So we were all over the place riding ATVs. This was around like 2014, 15, somewhere in that neighborhood. And after that, I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't really big into hunting, but I was just like, you know, what else could I do? Because I don't golf. I was kind of getting over the whole video game thing. Like I'll still play with my, you know, with my son if he plays video games. But like I said, golf is boring to me. So I was just looking for something else to do, and I was just like, well, what about learning to shoot a bow? So literally, I went, all three of us actually, me and the kids, we went to a place, took like a free introduction to archery class. Just like 30 minutes, whatever, they give you like a traditional bow, like a, like one of the old school bows or whatever. Shot it a couple of times, was like, okay, I can do this, and that was pretty much it. I went to, this was around Father's Day weekend. So I went to the Bass Pro on Father's Day and it was a Father's Day gift to myself. I went and I bought a bow. I started shooting it and it's like, well, maybe, you know, one day, this is in my mind, one day I'll be good enough to actually, you know, hunt or something like that. And probably, let's see, that was June. So by October, me and my son, we went on our first um, hog hunt in South Georgia, killed a nice size hog. Um, and it's been off and running since. So when you kill it, what do you do with it? Eat it. Oh, my God. Okay. So that's where my bacon comes from? Your bacon? Uh, it bacon can. Bacon and my chitlins and my I mean, if you're still out here eating chitlins and stuff, um, <laughs> that is probably going to come from, like, I mean, I guess you could have chitlins from a wild hog, but most of the time, like, your, your bacon and, like, all that stuff is going to come from pig farmers. That race pigs, like I got a buddy of mine, we grew up together and they had a couple of pigs, you know, a couple of chickens, whatever, they farmed, but I can distinctly remember they had like, you know, their own pig farm, so they go out, feed them, fatten them up, take them to the slaughterhouse. From a hunting standpoint, if you're hunting like wild hogs and stuff, there are people that are skilled enough to hunt and be able to, what we call dress that animal, which is basically skin it, gut it cut it up how they want, you know, ribs, uh, back straps, which are basically pork chops, what the regular world knows as pork chops or chops if it's a deer, back straps, shoulders, you know, like your butt roast, stuff like that. Yep. Oh, and of course, you know, sausage. I had a guy, matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago, he introduced me to like pork snack sticks. He had like, it's basically beef jerky, but it's made out of the pig that he killed. It's actually pretty good. That's interesting. Yeah. If I ever slide through Dallas, and I remember, I'll try to bring you a couple. I don't have any. We went on, me and this guy, we went on a hunt. We tried to kill a hog. We were not successful. And hopefully, we're going to try again before deer season really gets going. So let me ask you, in your hunting, have you ever been hunted by whatever? You mean outside the police? No, no sir. No. <laughs> what I meant <laughs> What I meant was, say you're out there hunting for deer or wild hogs or whatever. Yep. Have they ever turned on you? And um, attempted to... I had a hog 
I say semi charged me because he looked like he was starting to charge me, and then he hooked like a sharp right. Yeah. He he thought better of it, maybe. I guess. I mean, because what most people don't realize, ninety percent of the time, and this is my own number, like this is not any scientific shit or anything like that. Ninety percent of the time, the animals are more afraid of you than you are of them. That's with any animal. For some reason, I I highly it it really is true. The only time. Most of the time when they attack, it's because they're scared. Think about it. If you're cornered or you feel cornered or you feel, you know, attacked, you're going to defend yourself. Yeah. It's most the of the time, fight or flight. Yeah. Most of the time, if they see you, smell you, know that you're there, they're going to hautail out of there. Unless there's young and, you know, children involved, you know, like a mom is going to protect the fawn, you know, mother's going to protect her cubs, like that kind of deal. But matter of fact, excuse me, I was bow hunting one time. I had finished my hunt for the day, and I was going to check some cameras. Didn't have a pistol or anything on me. Usually I have my pistol and my shotgun on me. When you're bow hunting, and that's the only thing you got to check, too, because sometimes state laws, you can't have a gun on you while you're bow hunting. Can't, especially depending on what you're hunting for. But I had finished, so I was walking around. I think I even put my bow down because I didn't want to, like, carry it around. I was checking um, game cameras, and I heard a shuffling, like, in the woods. This is in a field, and I heard a shuffling in the woods. I'm standing there, kind of like, all right, thinking maybe it's a deer or whatever. I'm just kind of standing there. And then it gets closer and closer and closer. It comes out like a little hole in the woods. It's a bobcat. It's probably about 20 feet away from me, maybe 20, 30 feet. Bobcat. Where were you? On my land in Georgia. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay. I have a little plot of land um, in Georgia that uh, eventually I'm going to build a house on, but I also I hunt out there. It's like my own, you know, little uh, little sanctuary, little paradise. I, I joke for my highfalutin uh, traveling friends. It's like my paradise doesn't need a passport. So <laughs> I, just well, I guess I'm one of them highfalutin because mine does. So. But go ahead. I was about to say, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> right, that's a whole other story. You, know, you, you people with passports. I'm you sorry, know, you people. Y'all, I got one, too, because I had to have one for work. But you people with passports, you know, y'all act like y'all special. And if you don't have one, it's just like, oh, my God, you're just coming to earth. But that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, well, first— I need you to miss me with those new people <laughs> statement. Okay. So back to business. What'd you do when you, what'd you do? Okay. So Bobcat came, right? And quickly stopped in his tracks. Looked at me. I looked at it. Cause I don't know. I didn't get close enough to know it was a male yeah, or female. female. So looked at me. I looked at it. We kind of just like had like this stare down. And then he turned around and he went away. Like, Quickly, he just shuffled on, like, I'm going to see you later. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, like, a scared kind of thing. It was just, like, I'm guessing it's probably, like, oh, there's a human. And I didn't make, my biggest thing was I didn't want to make any sudden moves to make it feel like it needed to be. Defensive or something? Okay. So that's why I'm just kind of looking at it. In my mind, I'm like, I live here. I'm paying for this. I understand you live here, too, because I've seen you on my cameras a few times. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of like a finally our meeting. Mm-hmm. It's just like, so we got an understanding. I'm not going to bother you if you don't bother me. And at least that's how it played out in my mind. So right. <laughs> he turned around and then um, went back in the woods. And that was it. I mean, I've encountered, like being out there, I've encountered Bobcat. The very first day I was out there, we were out there cleaning trails. The guy killed probably like an eight-foot timber rattlesnake. I was not overly fond of that because I wanted to kill it. He basically, he didn't kill it. He just kind of, what's the word? Basically kept it from like moving or whatever. Like so he stabilized it or something? Yeah, there you go. Okay. Good word. Stabil- there's, there's that 25 cent word I was looking for. Stabilized <laughs> it. So he stabilized it. 
took it back and put it on the rollback, you know, like the rollback trucks or whatever. Because he bought like the equipment to clear paths and stuff with me um, to help me clear paths on the property. So he once he loaded up the equipment on the rollback, he basically put the stretched the snake out and put it on the rollback and took it on. He was like he was going to get get taxidermy. So he's going to take it to a taxidermist. And some people eat rattlesnake. I have no dying need to try. My but, listeners yeah. can't see the gagging. I can. Okay. It's actually kind of interesting. No. But um, trust me, I'm definitely afraid of snakes. Um, but being outside, especially on my property, you kind of learn. A lot of people say, you know, the only good snake is a dead snake. But in reality, there are different kinds. And they're actually, and I've seen them on my property, black snakes, king snakes, that will actually eat poisonous snakes. So, like, that was the only time so far that I've ever came in contact with a rattlesnake. Um, on my property, I know they're out there just because of all the stuff that I got going on out there. But I see black snakes at least two or three times a year, and I just leave them alone because I know that they're doing their part in the ecosystem or, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I got, I mean, I got rabbits out there. I got coyotes. I've seen coyotes on camera out there. I actually need to get out there and take some of those out because the coyotes, they mess with your turkey and deer populations and stuff. So um, how do you take them out? Kill them. Oh. Okay. I thought you meant like remove. Them. Yeah. I, you, once you kill them, it's removed. You get <laughs> Got it. Some people trap them. You know, they, they set traps and stuff or, you know, you call them in like with a rabbit distress call or like a fawn distress call and, and do come. things the right way. And hopefully they come and then you pop them and take them out. Um, I got raccoons. I got possums. I got uh, armadillos. I saw one of those once. Yeah. Well, y'all got those in Texas. That's not Yeah, thing. well, they should not be in enclosed parking lots, and that's where I saw them. That's a good point. Think about this, though, because I have a friend of mine that lives in Charleston, Charleston, South Carolina, and regularly, and there are even signs in, like, a lot of the new subdivisions and new apartments that say, like, don't feed the gators, beware the gators, like that kind of stuff. But you got to think about it. You build in these structures on, on their, on their swamp, habitats. Um, but you're building on swampland, you know, wetlands, stuff like that. So the animals are just, they're still doing what they're doing. You know, they go down the path, hang right. Usually they can find like a drink or something there. And then they look up and there's a damn parking structure there or a building. You know what I'm saying? So to them, they're just like, okay, we guess we got to leave. They're just like, no. And then if you dumb enough to go out there messing with them, then you get, yeah, whatever he happens, happens. He didn't have happens. to worry about that. This was on the third floor of a parking structure. Well, he probably worked his way up. He was like, what's going on here? He looking for trash or something to eat or something like that. That's probably I, what. I left him alone. I let him do what he does. And, and that's usually my method. Very rarely, unless you bother, not like raccoons. As soon as trapping season opens, I'm going after them because even though they're a nuisance, in Georgia there's a season for like trapping raccoons and stuff. Because like this, that was going to be my summer project. Like I was just going to go around the property and just whacking raccoons because what they do is they destroy turkey nests. And so my turkey hunting this past year was garbage because I had a lot of raccoons on my property. So my summer project was going to be whacking raccoons. And I was just like, mm, let me check the regulations because, you know, people are like, well, it's your land and all this stuff, man. But you still have laws that you, you have got to laws by. and especially now in the country and stuff, people think you can just do anything you want deep out in the country. But you see a helicopter or hear a helicopter flying over, you best believe it's some kind of wildlife, something making, yeah. you know, notes or whatever. So. so talk to me about these seasons, though. So you, trapping season is 
a specific time that you're allowed to do mm-hmm. whatever? Like it's in the wintertime, like in Oct- I think October to like April or something like that. The guy was telling me one time like rabbits, like, you know, you want to hunt rabbits in the colder months just because like in the summer, like all the parasites and stuff that can attach to them. Because, you know, people eat rabbits and stuff and you can't, I guess those parasites, you can't even boil them like out. So, but yeah, there are seasons and just like in anything, there's regulations for whatever reason. I don't go into all the details of why they are, where they are, but yeah, you got to know they're just there. Just abide by the law. Right. Okay. Right. So for everything that you hunt, mm-hmm. is that also something that you consume? Mm-hmm. Deer, hog, turkeys, goose, ducks. That's my list so far. I want to go gator hunting. Um, I've had alligator before. I love it. Um, I've had frog legs before. I love frog legs. I want to go frog gigging. Is frog gigging hunting them? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm yeah. learning the lingo. So. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's fine. Okay. But yeah, deer, my, my main one's deer, deer hogs and turkeys, and then ducks and geese. So do you see a lot of women doing this? Yeah. Really? Yeah. You see a lot of black women doing this? Yeah. More than you would think. I was, and it's so funny, and I can say this, like, when I first started my my brand and then the podcast, my brand, Bryantland, it was centered around, like, I wanted to have a media brand because my background is in media, you know, like, I'm a sports television director. I direct live TV sports for a living, and my brand, I wanted it to be an extension of that. It was a combination of what I love and being television and then sports or um, hunting as a hobby. So when I started the brand, I was arrogant enough. I shouldn't say arrogant. Ignorant is probably the better word. I wouldn't say arrogant, but ignorant to the fact of how many of us were out hunting, fishing, ride day TVs. Arrogant to the fact of how many people were, when I say, I keep saying arrogant, ignorant to the fact of how many people are out putting it out on social media. Because we know you do it. Like I said, I grew up in the country, so I know people that hunted just because nobody in my family, like my dad didn't do it, none, none of my uncles or anything like that, just because they didn't do it, that didn't mean I didn't know it. Like, obviously, you live in the country, you see deer, you see snakes, people got ATVs. So, but I was ignorant to the fact of how prevalent people were on social media nowadays showing it and building their own, you know, brands or just showing, you know, their lifestyle. The, the, you're right. You're yeah. Right. So my when I started, I wanted to, you know, I didn't think it was out there. And then when I started, I was looking, I was like, oh, my God, like there's already a lot of people out here and they're fairly established. So, yeah, but they're yeah, women, black women, couples, disabled hunters, Latinos, Asians, like, all kind of like just folks that stereotypically. Right you would think wouldn't mm-hmm. or is not in that life. But yeah, they are and they're out there. So in seeing these things on social media, have you seen like, um, I guess, clubs or organizations for black or brown women that exist? Mm-hmm. I, exclusively, I know in Metro Atlanta, there's a uh, fishing club. That's exclusively like for black women. And when I say exclusively, it's for women or for black women, because there are a lot of couples. I can think of three off the top of my head right now that have a presence on social media. Uh, one of them has actually been on my podcast, Brightland Country Podcast. I'm 
don't think I said that in the beginning. Shameless plug. And two more than I'm hoping to get on. But yeah, there so there are like couples that are out there that are hunting, black couples that are hunting and um fishing, interracial couples where it's like black man, white woman, you know, black woman, white man, like whatever, you know, yeah. interracial. But yeah, like I say, it's a lot more than what people think. Okay. So you said you got started with your great aunt? My great I remember going fishing with my great aunt. Because you mentioned that your dad doesn't hunt, your uncles and things like that. So what got you interested? What in was the draw? It was, like I said, I it was, a, in my mind, it's a progression. Like I started with the ATV thing. And then after the ATV, I didn't want to, at the time I wasn't a big gun guy. And so that's how I ended up taking up bow hunting. Because I was just looking for something else. And always going into bass, looking at bass pro shop, going in and going to outdoor stores, looking at ATV stuff. I started looking at some of the other stuff. So I started looking at fishing stuff. And then me and the kids, we would go fishing. And then I started looking at hunting stuff. And like I said, I wasn't a really big gun guy at the time. And so the bow, I was intrigued. So it was like, well, let me go see if I can actually do this before I plug down the money. And I mean, like 20 minutes in, I was like, I can do this. Like, And, and the way bows work, like the class that I took – they use like the traditional bows, which the traditional bows are like exactly what it means. Like, you know, when people think about Native Americans and stuff, yeah, bow and arrows and stuff. Now they make compound bows where they're like so much easier to shoot. The learning curve is so much easier. The re- muscle memory and retention is so much easier because when you're shooting a trad bow, as they call it, a traditional bow, everything is still on you. There's no sights to help you like gauge, you know, like how like you have a sight on like a shotgun or a sight on a rifle or something like that. There are no sights or anything on a trad, on a trad bow. So, you know, it's a little bit harder to maintain the muscle memory a little bit. You got to make the adjustments, you know, for your distance and stuff like on your own. Like it's all so instinctive. everything is manual. Yeah, it's all instinctive. And to be really, really good at it, you have to do it a lot. A compound bow, most of the time, another thing too about a traditional bow is depending on how it's made, the draw weight, which the draw weight is basically like the amount of weight to pull the string back. So again, all manual, all on you. Compound bow, they have what's called let off. So say like like the draw weight on my bow is like 55 pounds. By the time I get to the full cycle, it's like... 85% 85% let off. So by the time I get to the full cycle, it only feels like I'm pulling whatever, 85% of 55 is whatever. So it's like 15 pounds or something like that. You know what I'm saying? So it's lighter. Yeah. And then Which makes it easier. Makes it easier. Helps with muscle memory. Then you have sights on it and, you know, you can adjust the sights that help you, you know, be accurate and stuff. I'm all about gimmicks and gadgets and anything that makes life easier. Yeah. One of my sayings all the time is if it's easy, it's for three. Oh, that's so funny because I tell my my best friend to tell you, I say it and I believe it that I pay for convenience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All the time. You know, my dad and, you know, he passed away back in 06. But one of the things I tell people, I tell people in a heartbeat, my dad busted his ass for his son to go to school so he can make enough money to pay for whatever he want. You know, they're like, oh, well, you know how to do this and you don't know how to change an alternator you're not really a man if you don't do this and all that other bs man look here i work hard <laughs> to make the money that i can make for the conveniences that i can find i'm a child of convenience yeah definitely so. 
So I want to go back for a second, though, because mm-hmm. we talked about the um, that the animals are more afraid of humans than humans are of animals in the fight versus fight. Fight or flight, yeah. Mm-hmm. So in your opinion, do you think animals, their instincts, the way that they, their cognitive abilities and things are similar to humans? When you say cognitive abilities, you mean like just the survival gene? Survival gene, the way that they are able to comprehend. Like you said, the bobcat, you know, came out to see what was going on, right? right. And he was like. And I don't even think he, at that, I don't even think he was seeing the come out was going on because that was a well, when I looked at it, that was a well-used path. So I think he was just going about he was his just business. Going. Okay. And it was going across the field and it was going to snap a picture of it and I was going to get it on my phone like an hour later or whatever. <laughs> but I just happened to be out there that day and it was just like, oh shit, like right. you're usually not here. So, but the animals that you hunt though, when that instinct kicks in, that fight or flight. They're wired to survive. So are humans. But from a, I see what you're saying, but from an animal standpoint, like to me, mm-hmm. they have so many more instincts that they rely on. To kill a deer, you got to beat his nose. You got to beat his eyes. Like you can't go in. Like one of the big things now in hunting is scent control. Wind direction. If Are you oh, okay. downwind and stuff? Like okay. we're not walking around. Worried about if somebody gonna come downwind of us. Like we don't go. I mean, I guess in a way you can because with the stuff going on today, you got to worry about if you go into Walmart if you're gonna get shot yeah, up, like all that kind of bull. Yeah. But if you're talking strictly like from a hunting standpoint, you got to be the and turkeys. They don't smell that good, but them some bitches can see out of the world. You got to beat really? their eyes. No, you can't do a whole lot of movement. Like I say, deer, you got to beat their nose. You got to beat their eyes. They don't see color so much, uh, and there's a dispute going back and forth about that, but they don't, allegedly don't see color, but movement. Movement is a huge thing. Like, you can't be out there fidgeting, and yeah, because they will, and the thing is, they'll pick you off long before they you even see them or know that they've picked you off. So, yeah, like scent, sound. So, I think from that standpoint, especially like with deer, deer uh, like I said, you got to beat their nose. You got to beat their eyes. Turkeys, you got to beat their eyesight. Hogs, they have a keen sense of smell. They can't see worth the shit, but they can smell. Really, Not only do they smell, but they have a strong sense of smell. What Duck. about fish? I've never really thought about the psychology of fish. <laughs> I've heard different things like, you know, you got to be quiet, like not a lot of noise and stuff, but... I mean, I went on a charter, a fishing charter out in the lake, and I mean, that boat made more noise than anything else, and we caught a whole mess of fish. So, but though the other one, like, as far as what I hunt, like ducks and uh, goose, like, when you're talking about waterfowl, you got to, same thing as movement. Like, from where they're at up in the sky, they can see, if you're not brushed in good enough, they can see the movement, and that's going to make the difference of whether or not they're going to fly down and actually think that your decoys, your decoy spread is actually legit, or it's like, okay, we see this decoy spread, but we see this wide open thing. We see like these people moving around with, you know, guns or whatever. So they're they not been gonna around know. long enough. They're not going to swoop in. They're going to flare and take off. Got it. So okay. I think to your original point, I think that's more of obviously they're, you know, looking for food and got to survive. You know, they have, you know, offspring and you try to take care of them. But <laughs> can you imagine if 
you know, our parents treated us like deer or like some other wild animals. Like after, you know, a couple of weeks out here, you're on your own. Or, you know, a couple of bunch, you're on your own. You well, know? you know, the bad part about it, it that happens. Well, yeah. That's yeah, the unfortunate that's a, part. Yeah. It does happen. Yeah. But, but I get what you're saying, though. That would be most unfortunate. But in a way, too, you get the skills that you need to survive at a faster pace. So, I mean, I guess it's one hand... You know, watching her, or what is it, six and six one and hand, half, half a dozen, dozen of another, another. Yeah. And actually, I'm looking at it from a general overview, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that the concepts are the same. The timing is different. Yep. Yep. Because yeah. you still got to survive. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously survival is number one. Mm-hmm. Deer don't have mortgages. <laughs> they don't have to worry about credit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they get to where they want to get on their own. They got to worry about gas. You know, as long as the feet work, they can get wherever they want to go. go. So <laughs> there's some things, you know, obviously they don't have to worry about. But yeah. But there, yeah, yeah, there is a parallel. All right. So for somebody like me, because I am not outdoorsy at all, mm-hmm. my idea of being outdoors, I'm sorry. My idea of being outdoor <laughs> is leaving from the building to the vehicle and back again. Okay. Right? That's not my thing. I take that back. The one thing that I really enjoy is being the beach. I love the water. I love the, the negative ions that you get from. Negative ions. That's okay. Right. From being in nature. Right. Okay. So, for example, being surrounded by mountains hiking mm-hmm. in the mountains, mm-hmm. being on the beach, you know, being near the water. And mm-hmm. I've heard people say, you know, that the water calls to them. Yep. Right. I've heard um, that. Don't call to me, but I've heard that. Yeah, we had that discussion. Yeah, you know, uh, the, the beach, it, it's funny because I spent a almost a week, I think it was like four or five days in Arkansas during duck season. And a flooded rice field. We were in what's called a layout blind. So you land on the ground, you know, for six, seven hours a day or whatever, however long, you know, you're hunting for them. Usually in the flooded field. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, there are parts of it where obviously you can lay down. It might be muddy, but it's not flooded. Like, it's not still flooded. Right. Right. But it, it's overall, it's a flooded field. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're out there in the sun. I mean, it's January or whatever. So it is chilly. But it's nothing like when them, you know, them ducks come in and you pop up out of the blind. My point is, it's the equivalent, like laying out there, like during the quiet time, because that's another thing, too. When you go hunting, there's a lot of downtime. You just, unless you're really, really lucky, you're not just going to walk in, set up, and then walk out. And then walk out. I've had that happen a couple of times, but it's super rare. So you're going to lay out there, you're going to soak in like the sun and looking at the sky, especially in that position, you're looking at the sky and the clouds and stuff. And maybe, you know, you're going to get some birds that don't commit to your spread and they're going to go by and you're still going to see them. Like, to me, that's peaceful, tranquil. Like, I remember posting about that and that was one of the most like peaceful, happiest times that I had, like a mini vacation, if you want to call it, you know, going duck hunting in Arkansas. The beach. No. So what's the difference, though? Because if you are... The sand. (laughs) Okay, granted. So what if you didn't have to be in the sand Mm -hmm. or on the sand or walking through the sand or whatever, Mm -hmm. but you still get the rest of it, you still get the sun, you still get to look up at the sky, you hear the water. Mm -hmm. Isn't that the same thing? Nope. Why? Ain't no birds. They're flying around. Yeah, they are, but can't shoot them. 
Yeah, no, they're not meant for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, and, I, and I understand what you're saying. You know, it's still a, a outdoor activity. I wouldn't, me personally, call it being in the outdoors. I just, there's a lot of that's just as outdoor as I get. Right. No, and I and I understand that. I'm just just speaking again for myself. Obviously, you know, different people, y'all. You know, everybody does what they want. You know, and do the things that make them happy. But I'm just saying, for me, if I had a choice, duck hunting or going to the beach. I'll go duck hunting all day long. You know, I'll go deer hunting all day long. Like, there's nothing. And you will find a lot of hunters feel like that. There's a meme I've posted, I know, at least three times. And it's like a guy going duck hunting and then, like, the gal laying on the beach or whatever. And it's basically, it's just, like, you have your paradise, I have mine. So, Wendy, let's take it there. So, for couples, right? Okay. So... You have your paradise. She has hers. How do you guys meet and have your paradise as a couple? Well, I can speak to what I've seen because I'm not a couple. Um, it's just me. <laughs> you are a single? Yeah, I, uh, I'm single. Very All right, ladies, you single. hear that? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, there's a compromise, I'm sure. But I like the fact, me personally, I like the fact that I don't have to worry about being dragged to the beach during duck season. Or be a drag to the beach during, you know, whatever season, I, you know, I'd rather be hunting. But I've seen other couple. There are couples that hunt together. And when I was not a single, I kind of enjoyed. I love it. Not a single. <laughs> I enjoyed. <laughs> my hunting was my getaway. If it wasn't my son with me, then I'd go by myself. And we've had this conversation being the super introvert that I am. You know, and that's the other thing, you know, hunting's supposed to be like a big camaraderie and you got buddies and you do it all to get, drop me off in the woods. I'm fine. As long as I can get back, you know, I'm good. Or like at the most, you know, I go on a lot of what's called guided hunts where you have like a guide or whatever. And you might have like a couple of people or sometimes it's you and just a guide like one-on-one going through and, you know, hunting or whatever. And, and that's fine. But most of the time I'm usually by myself and that's how I like it because that's my way of getting away from everything. But back to your question, there are couples that, you know, they hunt together, they fish together and they love it. You know, it's an activity they both enjoy and it, it creates, you know, that bond and all that other relationship stuff that people say is important. The one thing I will say too, from what I've seen from the couples that don't, the successful ones at least from the men that I've been around while hunting, the wife is just like, go do it. If it's going to make you happy, right. if it's going to get you out of my hair, whatever the case is, mm-hmm. just there's an understanding. Yeah, and I get that because not everybody wants to, to spend every waking moment together, right. right? So you can have the hers, the his, and ours. Yep. But what if ours is a conflict. You see what I'm saying? So, for example, mm-hmm. I'm allergic to grass, mm-hmm. right? So, and not that I have a, a desire to go hunting, but let's just say I didn't have the allergy or whatever, and I was able to go hunting with you, mm-hmm. okay? And, okay, that's good. You want to go, la da 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 But then I don't want to go. That's that fine. can be a part that may be fine for you. That may be fine for now at this interview. But there are couples that may start that way or just are that way. They get into the same um, hobby or whatever, mm-hmm. and then one doesn't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. So we got conflict. 
Yeah. And I mean, again, like I can't really mm-hmm. speak to that because like I've never had the experience of, you know, my significant other or whatever, like was really into it and really enjoyed it and wanted to come. And then did that not bother you? Do it. What when they wanted to come? No, did when they did not want to come. No, because you're hell no. <laughs> Fine. Yeah, the whole introvert. Go do what you want to do. Yeah. I am a strong believer, especially even in relationships, but in general, I am a strong believer of don't ask nobody to do anything you don't want them to ask you to do. So I'm not going to ask you to come hunting and fishing with me. But I'm going to ask you to go to don't, the beach with me, though. Don't ask me to go oh, to we, we the play to and the all water. that other stuff. Oh, see. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're going to the opera. We're going to the plays. We're going and I know guys like that. And it's funny because I sit back and I sit back and I laugh at them because, like, we'll talk. Like, I got a buddy right now. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, hey, you going to hunt this weekend? It's like, man. The wife got me doing blah, 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 blah. We going blah, 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 blah. But I'm an adult. Like I tell people, I'm an adult. I know that a successful marriage, the handful that I've seen, mm-hmm. um, you know, compromise and sacrifice, two worst words in the English language in my book, are necessary. And they seem on the surface to make it work. I struggle in the compromise and sacrifice area but they seem like the couples that are happy and successful that i've you know either been around personally or just kind of seen from afar Mm -hmm. they seem to figure it out and they make it work like matter of fact my buddy i know he missed out on some hunting because him and his wife went on a cruise and they had a great time all that but so do the hunting and the all the seasons and things fall during the they don't all fall during like the summer and spring. No, 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 and, no. They're so like most places because hogs are a nuisance. Hogs you can hunt year round. Sometimes, like anything, there are times they're better than others. Deer season is usually South Carolina has the earliest opening of deer season. Um, matter of fact, I think it opened either yesterday or today, and it then runs through January one. And then there are different points in that. Like there's a season for like bow hunting. Well, you can bow hunt from beginning to end, but there's like a short season for like rifle and like black powder that's within that timeline. Black powder, like using a black powder rifle. You know, some people like you know still like to use like that old school way. Duck season usually like depending on what part of the country, October to like December, November to like January. So there's all types of stuff. Then there's like a goose season and there's a goose conservation season where you can just like knock down as many as you want. So yeah, it you can usually, like for me, the way I I usually run is like I, I'll try if I, we start like a deer season, like deer season in Georgia starts in September. I usually try to get my deer done, you know, try to kill a deer, whether it's a doe or a buck um, in September. October rolls around when I was living in the um, Midwest. About mid-October, I'd go, you know, goose hunting and duck hunting in the Midwest, come back to Georgia. If I hadn't killed a buck by then, male deer, just be clear. If I hadn't killed one by then, October, November, because November is the breeding season from deer. So that's usually like prime time where you can kill like a lot of the big bucks, the big males, like the trophy size males, because they're out basically chasing women and being careless. That's another thing that there's a parallel. And when you tell people that, you know, they kind of look and it, you know, kind of like that look on your face. But it is absolutely true that I killed a turkey. And was he chasing a woman? He was. See? Short story, okay? Because as you probably figured out, I'm a little bit long-winded. I'm working on that. 
My turkey, the turkey that I killed this year, we were sitting in a blind enclosure that you can put in the field um, that kind of conceals your movement. And it was a rainy morning. We got out there probably like five. We were done by nine o'clock, about seven, eight or so. Female turkey comes down off the nest, picking around in the cornfield, eating. Another 30 minutes later, male turkey comes down, probably Tom is what they call him, male turkey, probably was nesting with the female turkey, came down, started picking. I shot him, put him down. Female turkey takes off, going back by her business. Why did you shoot her when you saw her? State regulations. Spring season turkey is usually only toms, only males. States that have a fall turkey season, it's either or. And I think that's because of like breeding and stuff. You still, you want to give the females time to breed and all that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, I, and I post it just like, see what happens when you're running after a woman. She going to go back to the nest and mate with another male and you're going to be roasted turkey. <laughs> Because she ain't going to stop. Like, and I'm going to tell you. And see, my listeners can't see how I'm over here cracking up because <laughs> but I'm, but it I'm is tell so you, true. It is. I shot the turkey. I shot the tongue. Blew his head off. Okay? He laying there flapping. She gone. She ain't stopped. She, she ain't look, look say, oh, my God. Wait. It ain't boys in the hood. It ain't like, oh, my God. She was a Go, black she heard that. Was she a black turkey? Because you know what we do. <laughs> we don't ask no questions. We see somebody running, we run into. But it was she was the only one running. Hit, bam, he right there. She thought she was going to come back and look. And then she just took off, bought her business. I'm with her. Back in the room. I'm with the turkey. I understand. Roasting, uh, roasting. <laughs> Roosting with somebody else. So, I mean, yeah, deer season. There are, so that's what we were talking about. October, November, a little bit in December, depending on what part of the country you're in. November usually being the prime time, they call it the rut. And, you know, hardcore deer hunters are out there from sunup to sundown because usually deer have a pattern. You can either pattern them coming in the morning, going back, what they call going back to bed, like maybe stopping at a food source and then going back to their bedding area, or in the afternoon, leaving the bedding area, going to the food source. Just depends. But during the rut, it's on. All the does in heat. Is that where Look, the term rut came from? Yep. Gotcha. I guess. Let me take But, I mean, it, it, that sounds like it should fit. Sounds good, right? Right. Let's go with it. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, all the does in heat. Mm-hmm. So, they chasing ass all through the woods. No matter where it goes. And even if that doe, what they call a hot doe, like she's in heat, you know, ready to breed. Because that thing... So, was she a hot doe? Yeah, they out there thotting. Yeah, the doe's out there thotting. Yep. That's what they doing. Exactly. So That's she exactly was, what she, she is. She was a hot doe. She was a thot doe. Yep. I love it. Because she was in heat. And it's not as sophisticated as it is nowadays where you have some women that like will approach you. 99% of the time, the bucks are chasing the does. And the does might not run as hard and make themselves available. And then some of them aren't completely in heat and they aren't ready and they're like, look, leave me alone. Right, right. And so they're running. And the males are just like, no, come here. I want you. Yeah. And if you got your stand or your blind or whatever and you're positioned in the right area, they come right by the stand. Most of the times if they're chasing hard, you know, they're you can, not paying attention. They're not paying attention, and you can make one little sound, and they're alert. And by the time you make that sound, it's a done deal. Wow. So, and that's usually when a lot of people are out there 
going after deer and stuff because, like I said, deer, turkey, 99% of the time, the best way to kill them is Where because they're out there. Where do you store this stuff? What do you mean, the stuff? Yeah, the the food. The, In the freezer. Food. There's a term called, a lot of people use called fill the freezer. And that's what you do. You fill the fill, freezer. Because when you kill a nice-sized deer, whether male or female, you're going to get a good amount of meat. Do you sell it? Or you do you just eat it? Not supposed to. You can. Okay. No, how people do. So, <laughs> usually, I end up eating a lot of it, and then I'll give a good chunk of it away. Because yes, after a while, you just, like, it's a combination of you, you know, obviously want to, you know, give to your buddy or your friend or whatever, and it's just like, shit, we got so much meat, I'm not going to eat all this. Yeah, like, so what am you I need do? to. Yeah, and there are some people that do, that's all they do. Like, they don't fool with beef or anything like that, you know, ground turkey or ground deer or whatever, like natural, like from the woods. But yeah, like me personally, like I cook up as much of it as I can and then I give away. One of the things that I've loosely looked into, because there are programs like Hunters for the Homeless, where you can hunt and then donate the animal in some form of fashion to one of those programs and the meat goes to feeding the homeless. I would like to see more of where you places that accept like frozen meat and I know there are all kind of regulations and all that mumbo jumbo but you know I'd like to be able to go to a homeless shelter and here's 15 rolls of ground deer it's frozen here you go put it in your freezer make it work but to my I can't admit like I haven't done a whole lot of like research I just know like there are places that won't take it like that. There's a certain way that you yeah. have to follow to be able to donate and stuff like that. And even I'm not into it. Like I'm not into big game hunting overseas. Like, you know, a lot of people like to go to Africa and hunt, you know, like wildebeest and buffalo and zebra and stuff like that. They can go to Illinois to get the buffalo. Yeah, you can. There are a lot of places like uh, right there the off the Wisconsin border. <laughs> there are a lot of places in the in the states that offer what they call safari style hunting. But there's, you know, a lot of people just like anything else, they want that that authentic experience or whatever. So they'll go to you know Africa. But what a lot of people don't understand is the way those trips and the way those hunts are set up. Even if you don't want the meat or you don't cook it and eat it, you know, that night in camp or whatever a lot of that stuff goes back to the village. It's not wasted. And then, you know what I mean? They'll use it for, you know, whatever. And it, and it's not just the meat, you know, like the hides and all that stuff. Yep, it goes back in, back into the village, whatever, you know, a person doesn't keep or use. Brightland. All right, so Pamela Smith from It's All Mental. Like I said, we did a joint podcast so basically it's we're repurposing so i'm using the interview that she was graceful enough and kind enough to interview me for her show i'm basically going to use it on my podcast but before she gets out of here i need to get all her information and stuff so you guys can check her out all right my um you can find me on instagram at it's all mental underscore podcast or on twitter it's all mental and the number two or you can check out my website, www.pamelasmithlpc.com. Brightland. I just want to say thank you again to Pamela Smith LPC for joining me or actually taking the time to even want to interview me for her podcast, uh, It's All Mental. 
But like I said, I wanted to share this conversation with you guys. So I just want to say thanks to Pamela. I hope uh, everything goes well with her podcast that she's working on and she's going to drop here um, in the next few weeks or so. Uh, make sure you're checking her out on all of her uh, social media gimmicks where you can uh, find her on the web and all that good stuff. Also, if you're in the Dallas area and you and your relationship is not where it needs to be, then I advise you to look her up and uh, go and talk to her. Let her get in there and play with your mind a little bit and uh, get your mind right, hopefully, after it's after everything's over with. Uh, therapy cannot be undersold. If you need it, go get it. That's all I can say about that. Anyway, thank y'all for joining me for another episode of the Brightland Country Podcast. I hope you enjoy it. A little bit different, um, and I don't mind stepping outside of the box just a little bit. You know, I don't want, you know, this podcast, I've said that it can be some of anything. It's primarily hunting, fishing, outdoors, having a good time. But I've never been a person that wanted to be put in a box uh, with anything that I do. So hopefully you guys... uh, Took some good stuff out of that. I think we had a good time, you know, sitting down, shooting the breeze and talking about, you know, all the different things that we talked about. Once again, make sure you're checking out BryantlandCountry.com, our website, merchandise, videos, podcasts, one-stop shopping at the BryantlandCountry.com website. Make sure you're checking that out. I'm going to go ahead and get ready to get out of here. You guys come back here next week for another episode of the Brightland Country Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Bryant Land Country Podcast, hosted by AB3. Please leave us a positive review and five-star rating on iTunes. Be sure to check out our podcast section on our website, bryantlandcountry.com, for previous podcasts. Check us out on Instagram at Official Bryant Land and Twitter at 3 Land. This has been an AB3 Media Production. Join us next time for another edition of the Bryant Land Country Podcast.